the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey everybody, welcome to The Common Good here on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Aubrey, Dave Ramsey. You know Dave Ramsey, don't you? I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Dave Ramsey is the well-known radio host, well-known. He he has ironically made a lot of money by teaching Christians how to save their money or spend their money or budget their money. Uh, I use the free every dollar budget app. That's what we use in our home. Uh, and I've got it on my phone and, and it works well for us. So, uh, he is the Christian financial guru, if you will. Uh, Dave Ramsey and, and you know, uh, to kind of paint the picture of them, him, a lot of people have a problem with Dave Ramsey, more kind of very, um, I would say he, he can be condescending or he's just very strong, right? Like yes, he, he's in a very the way strong he speaks, leader. Yes. Uh, the opinions he shares and what he says. And so, uh, with that in mind, I want us to hear something that Dave Ramsey said the other day that at last check was well north of a million views on Twitter. So I was like, okay, anything that's going around that viral right now. It's worth paying uh, attention in the to. Christian yeah. world is, it's, 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 uh, it's clipping a nerve right now for people. It is doing something. And so I want you to hear specifically Dave Ramsey is responding to a question about why he, as a Christian and as a landlord, does not feel guilty about raising rent prices. Let's listen to this. I own rental property, single family homes, uh, among many other properties that we own. And if I raise my rent to be market rate, um, that does not make me a bad Christian. Uh, I did not displace the person out of that house if they can no longer afford it. The marketplace did. The economy did. Um, The ratio of the income that they earned to their housing expense displaced them. I didn't cause any of that. And so you are not displacing them. You're taking too much credit for what's going on. if they need to move to a cheaper house because they can't afford, they're going to move to a lesser house because if they move, they're going to pay market rent. So Dave Ramsey getting a lot of pushback for that, Aubrey, a lot of pushback saying, uh, oh, he doesn't understand the Gospels. He doesn't understand uh, compassion and grace. How could somebody, you know, cause somebody to be homeless who is renting for them uh so uh, I'm not going to, rather than make you just give the first impression, Aubrey, when I first heard this, I thought I was going to be really angry when the way people were talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of agree with them. I know. Isn't that funny? So I, there are lots of things about Dave Ramsey's opinions or manner that I actually don't agree with and don't necessarily like or prefer. But this one, I was kind of like, I mean, you're a landlord. You got to raise the rent. Like, especially if your rent is being raised or, you know, so I I do think there's a place for compassion of certain Mm -hmm. people's situations are dire or it's 
a single parent that could use an extra helping hand. Like there is certainly a place for compassion, but I mean, landlords raise rent. Like just because you're a Christian landlord doesn't mean you don't raise rent. I think that's a little bit unfair of people to assume that he shouldn't just because he's a Christian. So, uh, and I think a lot of it is comes in presentation, the way he speaks yes, and the way he says things. Right. I would think the compassionate thing here is because this is where it gets messy to be a Christian sometimes. This is one of the many areas it gets messy to be a Christian sometimes. It's all right, we've been told to live this way. Uh, that kind of speaks to what it means to be a landlord. But also, if I just let everybody, if I'm a landlord, right, and I've got a bunch of different places, and I just let every, I, I show grace to everybody at all times, that's going to be, you know, kind of my thing. Guess who's not going to be a landlord for very long? <laughs> <laughs> right, and exactly. So, and so you, but Aubrey, I think the bigger question here is, uh, how do we wrestle with, um, uh, anyway, let me say this. I would say the graceful thing here, in my opinion, isn't let people stay in your place for well under market value, regardless of what it does to you. I would think the graceful thing would be, if you can't afford my place, let me help you find a place that you can afford, mm. as opposed to not my problem. You're out. Yeah, figure that's it good. out. It yeah. feels to me the graceful thing is how can I look at you as a human being who may not be able to afford to live in my house or my apartment that I'm renting, but might be able to afford this. And I'm going to show you grace. Maybe I let you stay for a little while too, as we figure this out. Uh, but I feel like it's putting a big burden upon the Dave Ramsey's of the world to be like, nope, you should just give charity to everybody who needs it. Um, bigger question here, Aubrey. Okay. What does it mean for a Christian to uh, to have their life infused by their Christian values, to live the way Christ has called us to live, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, be a businessman or right. uh, be somebody with, who has opinions or to be a landlord? Like, How do we uh, hold those two things that sometimes are probably in tension with one another? It's sort of the same along the same lines of, you know, churches are, are trying to decide whether they should uh, fire someone or not. Mm, and that's good. and yep. you're sort of like, it feels wrong for churches to fire somebody. But then if you're running a church and somebody's not doing their job, well, do you let them just keep getting paid for not doing work like it you know wh why is there a different standard i think but i there's a different standard because this person is a christian right yeah, and, and yeah. whether you're pastor or you're dave ramsey this sort of christian money guru you are a christian so okay you're held to a different standard that's not going to change that's actually biblical and godly i do think you can use wise business principles to make the money that you need mm -hmm. to make, but you have to honor God and other people. Yeah, so that's yeah. with your finances, that's through giving, that's through generosity, and that's through treating other people with dignity. So I think you're exactly right, Brian, like a good, a good godly way of handling this would be, oh, I'm so sorry, I've raised the rent because, you know, it's annual rent raising time, which is true if, in every apartment across the, you know, country. Um, let me help you find another place to live. Let me extend, mm -hmm. I, you know, maybe there's a place where you could extend someone's uh, deadline. You could help them out for like a month or two with a payment plan back. Like there are some, especially for a guy like this who we know Dave Ramsey is at least a millionaire. So he's doing okay for himself. There's room for generosity. But 
you're exactly right. Like it's not good business principles to just not do the thing you need to do as a landlord. So no. I, I think it's probably the way you go about it, not being cold, not shoving people out, not helping them that makes the difference. Can I'm I not help? a landlord, so these are just no. guesses, but anyway. So you and I are usually the compassionate, bleeding heart type of people. Yes, we are. A Christian Twitter does not agree with us. <laughs> uh, and again, I think a lot How of many of them have businesses, I wonder. Yeah. Well, here's I, let me I picked out one that I think is kind of wraps it up. He's, this person says from a business financial standpoint, Dave Ramsey's not wrong. But from a Christian, parenthetically, who's super wealthy standpoint, give to the needy is supposed to be his thinking, I think. And I think that is that highlights the problem there. Dave Ramsey, as a Christian, should be generous. Yes. He should be uh, if he's following what Jesus says to him. None of us know what he's giving away. Well, that's what, what I was thinking. We don't know where he's generous. He probably is very generous. He yeah. might be making a lot of his money from being a landlord. That doesn't mean he has to give away his apartments or right. his houses. Right. He needs to show people grace. Maybe he's giving some away. Maybe yes. he's doing this. But to say you're super wealthy and you have to give to the needy, therefore you shouldn't uh, you should just not be like this. I think is completely. I think we're missing the point. But man, did Christian Quitter turn on this one uh, <laughs> and really kind of go? It makes you and I look like Scrooge McDuck. Wow, I think wow. a little bit. So. Uh, yeah, I'd love to know what you guys think. Go check it out. Uh, you can go look it up. What Dave Ramsey insisting on his on his tenants paying the 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 market value for rent does that make him a bad Christian? I don't really think it does, but many people disagree. Well, coming up next, Morgan Lee, global media manager for Christianity Today, also the co-host of the Quick to Listen podcast. She is going to join us again here on the Common Good AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined by someone we've had on the show multiple times before. Her name is Morgan Lee. Morgan is the Global Media Manager for Christianity Today and also the co-host of the Quick to Listen podcast. Morgan, how are you doing today? Hey guys, it is great to be here with my radio friends. Yay! <laughs> we, we love our little radio family. So glad to have you back. I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. We're and, so glad you are. Yeah. And, and you do something, as we said, called the Quick to Listen podcast on a little hiatus right now. But what we wanted to have you on to kind of help people understand, not just understand the podcast, but start listening to the podcast and start enjoying it. So tell us about the Quick to Listen podcast. What is your guys's goal and what is kind of coming in the new year? Quick to Listen is Christianity Today's news podcast. We come out weekly, and I have joked with people that you will not be able to listen to this podcast and come away any dumber. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that's quite the, the tagline, but essentially what we do is we find really thoughtful and smart Christians who have thought deeply about the types of issues that are currently in the news for whatever reason, and then we bring them on the show, we interview the heck out of them, and ask them lots of Deep questions, questions that I think many Christians oftentimes are trying to really wrestle with when they're mm. thinking about the news. And then we make that information available to everyone. And so, Brian, you had mentioned that the show is on hiatus. We are on a creative hiatus. So we are trying to rethink about how we can best communicate all of this information to our listeners. And we are set to launch the podcast or relaunch the podcast again 
next month. And all of that is really exciting. Click to Listen is actually, believe it or not, turning six this year. Oh, happy birthday. Congratulations. That's awesome. Which is really exciting and also means that you know, there are definitely ways that we can bring the podcast better into 2022. So that is what we are doing. And Morgan, I uh, I know you can't like say this is a favorite episode of mine, but what was a topic maybe that you really enjoyed learning about in the past? Let's just say the past year. So the podcast that I have talked to the most amount of people with was one that we did about Haiti. So Haiti was in the news a lot. And actually, I personally did a lot of reporting about Haiti last year. In case people are interested, this is episode 272. It says it's called Yet Again, Haitian Christians Are Confronting Turmoil. And the, we, the folks that we had on the show um, were a husband and wife um, and they both work in Haiti. Their names are Genson and Claudia Charlotte. Claudia is actually from Jamaica. Genson is from Haiti. And they are people who are very invested long-term in Haiti. Um, they are leaders. They encourage and work and develop other different Haitian Christians that are there. And they just gave a lot of food for thought, both about how we in the West view Haiti, how we think about Haiti, what it means that Haiti comes on, you know, comes into our consciousness whenever there's a crisis there. And also a, a, a sense of the church in Haiti as well and why the church has sometimes struggled in some ways to be to be prophetic or to be able mm. to speak into what's happening in in there right now. But that podcast gave me a lot to work for. That was kind of the first amount of reporting that I did for Haiti. And I'm so grateful for meeting the Charlots, and I'm grateful that we were able to bring their voice, which again, I think is one of the things that I really love about the show is being able to find especially global voices um, and then letting them speak directly to our listeners, many of them who are in the West and may not have had a chance to hear them otherwise. Yeah. And another one of your podcasts that was done somewhat recently, uh, I want to ask you about, about the opioid pandemic. So it was called, there's no good plan to stop a hundred thousand opioid deaths a year. This feels like such an underreported story. It's such a huge thing going on, especially with younger people uh, in our nation, help people understand uh, what you learned about that and why this is such a dire uh, problem right now. Yeah, I I hate to repeat the headline of the show, but that is actually one of the conclusions that I had in there. So we were really fortunate to interview a woman named Andrea Clements, who is a professor and researcher, and she studies addiction and how this works. And she also actually founded a church that um, helped to care for people that were suffering from addiction. And she's built a lot of relationship with people who have struggled with that themselves. And so she had this interesting balance of being both a researcher and someone who was a practitioner had spent their life in these places. And, you know, that was one of the things that we really sat with and wrestled with on the podcast is what is there for Christians to do about this particular subject? I mean, I do think, Brian, maybe one of the reasons that this is not in the news enough is because the problem is so overwhelming and so widespread and there's not particularly an easy solution. So one of the things that she got into on the show is like why people end up struggling from addiction in the first place. And so um, just in case people are interested, there's a couple of different pathways. One could just be you end up experimenting with drugs and it becomes something that your body is really excited about and you kind of go down that road. Another thing could be that you take these drugs and you feel this like extremely strong emotional, positive emotional reaction. They talk about like the love that you never experienced. And um, obviously for people who have not experienced this type of love and who feel that 
sense of positiveness. Why would you not want to feel that again? And then people who just become addicted to painkillers over time, Mm. right? There's all these entry points to getting addicted. And now that is in tandem with the fact that a lot of the substances that people are dying for when we're talking about these 100,000 deaths a year, a lot of people are dying from fentanyl, which I'm not sure how many people are familiar with fentanyl, but it is a synthetic opioid that is just so much stronger than what people have been, you know, that people suffering from addiction have struggled with for years, right? So a much smaller dose of it ends up being lethal. Many of these people that are dying of overdoses are people who are suffering from addiction, right? But they didn't actually go out to like end their lives over this. Mm. And so that's one of the reasons why these numbers are just so crazy. And of course, that's happening in tandem with the pandemic, pulling people out of their support systems, out of their routines, um, out of the things that, you know, if they had been struggling with addiction and been able to get by, that's one of the things that had happened. So I really just appreciated her talking about the need to be in relationship with people who are struggling with addiction and recognizing too that oftentimes people with addiction, it's not just good enough for you to be in a one-on-one relationship with them. Like the burden becomes that intense, right? She talks about Mm. if she had planted her church again, she would want it to make it 10 to one or 15 to one. Wow. Wow. Because the church is, the church ends up closing because of, you know, not being sustainable enough. You know, there was just a lot of like burnout, obviously on the people who are trying to enter into relationships with this. So there, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I'm not yeah. going to do nearly as good a job summarizing as yeah. you were listening to it, but yeah. And Morgan, just along those lines, I know you can't say everything, but I know one of the things you do at Quick to Listen is, is to talk about like, what should our response be as Christians? And I wonder just with the opioid crisis in general, did you come to any conclusion like for Christians who are either in a relationship with those affected or for those who kind of live far removed from that, what should our response be? So I, I think distressing one of Andy's points, which is for people like us, we have a responsibility to be connected to this community, but not by ourselves, Mm. right? That if we enter into these types of relationships with people who have these, um, this type of struggle, it is going to deplete us at a much faster rate if it is just a one-on-one relationship. So how can we bring people together to you know, also provide community for this person. Like we all need community anyway. And, and many of us realize that when we think about people who struggle with addiction, that in, there's been times where they have burned bridges with community. They may not have close relationships with their family, um, but we can't get into these places where we alone think that somehow we'll be able to save them or to fix them. Um, and I'm not saying that we should enter that into that space with the community either, but for our own ability to long-term reach out to that, um, that, that part is key. Absolutely. The Quick to Listen podcast. We're excited to have Morgan on here to talk about it because it's a podcast when it comes back in February uh, that you're going to want to check out as Mm -hmm. we as Christians need to wrestle with what's in the news and and even sometimes just to know what's in the news, but also how do we think as Christians. Again, Morgan is the Global Media Manager for Christianity Today and the co-host of the Quick to Listen podcast. Morgan, always fun to spend some time with you. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. It's been great. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Well, that music can only mean one thing. And Aubrey, this is a little, we just said our, our, our show just turned three years old. And Ian and I started this one probably within our first year. This thing called Grinds My Gears. And Woo-hoo! here's the general point. Grinds My Gears is going, 
what are just some annoyances? Uh, what are just some things that make us angry, that annoy us, that do this, that, that we got to get off of our chest? Yeah. And so, again, the caveat to this is we understand that world hunger grinds your gears more than yes. uh, somebody driving slow in the left-hand lane. Uh, we understand uh, that racism is a bigger deal than something else. Like, I totally get it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't these little things that get at us and just, as we like to say, grinds my gears. Any other caveat you'd like to make to this? Um, yeah, No, I think you said it really well. This is not about – we. this is not world peace. This is not human trafficking. Like we are angry about those things, period. This is like our shallow, petty anger and our place to vent about dumb things that we get mad about. That's right. So that is what we are going to go with. And Aubrey, my first one could not be more basic. Could not, it's not about a person. Okay. It's not about anything like that. But I feel like I, I need to vent what grinds my gears, what I'm ready to go off on right now is ice. <laughs> it is wildly icy out there, isn't it? So we have finally hit that time of year here in the so Chicagoland crazy. area. Yes. We have finally hit that time of year where everyone goes, I can't believe it's so cold, but it's always this cold. Yes. Right? Like, yes. Uh, this is... We're in January. We're heading towards February. This is the worst time <laughs> to live in Chicago, but we're all here. We all know it's coming. But then strange things happen every now and then. Like you get the snow. You're like, oh, that's nice. But Saturday night, and there was that ice that came. That was a wild. And all of the sudden, it is everything is blinketed in ice. And, yes. Uh, and you're trying to throw salt out. It's freezing yes. out. I got to church Sunday morning. We have this enormous parking lot because we are in uh, we are in a warehouse complex. And so I always park kind of far away. So, you know, other people can park closer. And it took me like 10 minutes to walk across the parking lot because it was so icy. And, and I just don't understand. Like we need uh, – I. I understand how ice works, but yes. it was unreal. It was wild. Like it was like it was like people had ice skating rinks all over their lawn. I have a short driveway, Brian, and yep. I fishtailed out of my driveway on the way to church. Like it was crazy icy. And maybe beyond ice, I think what I just need to get off my chest, and it goes against everything I just said, is Chicago winters. Like I'm done. Uh. With and every yeah, year, yeah. my wife and I look at each other and go, why are we why here? Do we and live we have here? a million great reasons to live here. <laughs> but in January and February, you start to question whether those million great reasons trump this one awful thing. Oh. And that is that it is so cold at this time of year that your face hurts. I know. You can't walk. I you know. can't lift your feet up. I know. You take the dog outside. And uh, I have two dogs. I take them outside and they look at me like, what in the world are you doing to us right now? And I'm like, the quicker you can pee, the better for the all better of us. The better for Let's all of in. us. But they look at you like, what are you doing? And there's salt tracked everywhere. I hate it. Like I all of you who I are do like, hate the salt everywhere. All of you who that. are just like, oh, it's the winter and it's the seasons and it's so good. You don't mean it. You don't mean it. There's nobody <laughs> who lying. actually believes that. And so, Aubrey, I guess what I started with saying that what grinds my gears is ice. It's actually just it, Chicago winter. It is. And I just, it's, it's You're over it's it already. A, and it just started, Brian. It, ju it doesn't surprise us every year. <laughs> But then that first day and you're like, what in the world? So that's it. Do you have one for me? I do have one, but I just want to add quickly. I always think about like, obviously, there were the First Nations 
people here, but then the the first settlers that came to Illinois or Chicago area, it it could not have been in winter. Like there's <laughs> no way they came in January, you know, in whatever the 1600s or eight what 1800s, 1700s, whatever. And they were like, "Yes, this is paradise. We want to plant our lives here." There's no way. They came in the fall, they came in the spring, and then they got stuck here. And as a yes. result, the rest of us are here. It's terrible. Absolutely. Okay, here's mine, Brian. So I, yeah, we haven't said this yet, but I'm traveling the rest of the week. So you've got Steve Koble is going to be on the show with you, a great co-host that we love to bring Looking on. Looking forward to it. Um, I am anticipating something that grinds my gears because I'm flying Southwest. And inevitably on Southwest Airlines, there is a singing stewardess. <laughs> Yes, I know. And it literally it grinds my gears. I can't handle it. I hate when they sing. When you land, they sing. When you take off, they sing. I it. I don't know. It has always bothered me my entire life, and I don't know why. But like, I don't want to be subjected to your singing, even if you're a good singer on my flight. I just want you to get me in off my flight. I don't want. I don't want you to entertain me. I don't want you to tell jokes. I don't want you to be like cutesy, and I definitely don't want you to sing. (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's I a, need I need a report when you I get I will back. definitely report. Okay, do you want to hear another one, Brian, that grinds my gears? See, this is what I like about you, Aubrey, is that uh <laughs> is that you told me off air. I'm not sure I have one, and now you're ready to go. You're yeah, just they, going. They come to mind. You inspire me. So there you okay. Go. Here's another one. And I'll be honest, I might be guilty of this. But here's okay, so so Sunday morning, I think I already told you yesterday, we had like Two thirds of our people were gone. And I get it. Omicron is everywhere. The weather, we just talked about the ice. It was horrifying. Like, I get it. Stay home. I did go to church, but like, I, there's no problem. I understand that. What I don't like is when people are like, you know, I'm not going to church because of Omicron. I just want to be really, really safe. And then on social media, they're like (laughs) at Disney World or they're like out to dinner with all their friends or everyone's like over for a big party. And I'm like, look. Oh, you okay. it's not that you don't want to go to church because of Omicron. It's that you don't want to get up on Sunday morning and it's cold outside and you're out with your friends or you're on vacation. It's nothing to do with COVID. Don't blame COVID. It's just you're lazy. You don't, don't want to go to church. COVID. That <laughs> was good. That was a good pastor. Got, grinds my gears. Thank all right. You. I got to I'll end us with a first a first world. I, I am understanding what I'm about to say falls right under the category of first world problems. First world grinds my gears. Okay. Since COVID started, uh, Carrie and I have begun, and she takes care of it, but we have begun um, ordering our our groceries to be delivered. Yes, like same from with Jewel, us. From Jewel, from Amazon, primarily yes. from Jewel. It doesn't cost you anything more. So yeah. why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Although I do love the grocery store. One of the reasons you wouldn't is because of something that grinds my gears. Uh there's rarely one that goes by where, you know, you get a personal shopper. They do it for you. They do this yeah. where you've been very clear about what you want and what comes <laughs> is different. Totally. And you're like, okay, I understand. Like, wh- for instance, you know that I love um, unsweetened iced tea. Yes. And I particularly love pure leaf unsweetened iced yes. tea. Well, they didn't have it. So instead of just not getting it, we got a big container of really unhealthy iced tea mix. Which you'll never which I'll never use. I'll use it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> But you're like, okay, and, and you start getting you start it almost has become a game to be like, what are they gonna get wrong? 
Can I say I fully understand people yelling at their radios going, then you go to the grocery store? Yes, absolutely. This is why I call this first world problems. But if you're going to advertise that we are going to deliver your groceries, what you order, is it so bad to have an expectation that what we ordered comes? Is Is what you actually get. Here's the hard part about that, too, is. You you order the groceries because you don't want to go to the store, but then yep. you're stuck with something and you have to go to the store and return it because the service doesn't do returns. Oh, oh. so it, it's yes, it is. It is. Uh, it's not. It is a first world problem, but I'm with you, Brian. It's not a fun one. Can I do an au contraire there? I oh, have, I have a wife who will make a phone call and they will let you then keep what they've brought. And refund it. <laughs> hey, you just taught me so, something. Okay, okay, so that that's good to, to know. All right, that grinds my gears. First world problems, but then all, one that all of us can get into, singing stewardesses and ice. I think we get it. I think we get it. Well, coming up next, we are going to discuss a uh, a big worldwide birthday and then play a little bit of Elmo. Going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good on this Tuesday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my co-host Brian Fromm. Brian, do you know whose birthday it was? I do not. No, I do not. Someone from our favorite family, the royal family, the Princess Royals. Kate. Princess Kate turned forty on Sunday. She's only forty. She's wow, only man. forty, Boy, and the <laughs> the the royal family. You know, they they share like new pictures portraits for birthdays or anniversaries they shared some beautiful pictures of kate and i mean she's 40 she's aging like a fine wine that's not something you can say but that's something i can say Brian. thoughts so, on the royal family right now thoughts oh, man i just am always sad that they're not together and i've been watching the crown on netflix and just i'm feeling bad about princess diana again they did not do her right and then that makes me feel sad about william and harry so i just hope the world, and you know, and I feel like Queen Elizabeth is maybe on her way out. So I hope they can come together. Yeah, and uh, maybe Princess Kate will bring them all together. Yeah, you know who's not going to bring them together is is, is <laughs> Meghan and Harry. You're, not like them. <laughs> You're so not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. No, no, no. Well, happy birthday, Kate. We celebrate you. Okay. In other pop culture news, Brian, usually Cookie Monster is out there getting all the press when it comes to cookies, <laughs> okay. cookie controversy. On Sesame Street, but I don't know if you know that Elmo caused some major controversy on the internet. He quote unquote rocked the internet fighting with Zoe's pet rock mm. over a cookie. And this is actually a hilarious story. Let me set it up and then we're going to play the audio. Then we're going to actually talk about why we think it like made such a big deal on the internet. But uh, on Sesame Street recently, they did a little, you know, segment where Someone was serving uh, Zoe and Elmo some oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, and Elmo wanted another cookie, but Zoe wanted one for her pet rock, Rocco, and Elmo loses his mind because, of course, rocks can't eat cookies. So it's so funny. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Oatmeal raisin? Boy, that's Elmo's favorite. Oh, Gabby, can Elmo have an oatmeal raisin cookie instead, please? Oh, gee, Elmo, that was my last one. Oh, that's okay, Gabby. Elmo will just take this one. No, no, no. Wait, wait, Elmo. What? Rocco says that he wants the oatmeal raisin cookie. Rocco? Rocco's a rock, Zoe. Rocco won't know the difference. Yes, he will. 
<laughs> you can't have that cookie, Elmo. Rocco wants to eat it. How? How is Rocco going to eat that cookie, Zoe? Tell Elmo. Rocco doesn't even have a mouth. Rocco's just a rock. Rocco's not alive. He is too alive. Hey, now calm down, you two. All day long, Rocco's been getting his way. And now, Zoe saying Elmo can't even have his favorite cookie because she wants to give it to a rock. Okay, I just love Elmo at the end going, but Rocco isn't even alive! And it's so <laughs> Wow, good Elmo voice Oh, right thank there. you. I've been doing Elmo since my kids were born. So, okay, here's what's funny, too. Like, outside of Sesame Street, apparently, you know, people went crazy over Elmo getting so angry about this cookie. And then Elmo, quote-unquote, tweeted. Apparently, Elmo has a Twitter account. I didn't know this. But awesome. he tweeted something like, you know, me and Rocco are going to be okay, but I've never seen a rock eat a cookie, have you? And then the actual rock, Dwayne Johnson, responded to it saying, I eat cookies all the time and shared a picture of him eating cookies. So then, of course, it got more viral with his interaction. But people were saying this was such a like it broke the Internet because of all the feuding going on in real life that Elmo sort of represented all of us right now in 2022 or 20, awesome. what year is it 2022 it is 2022 Get used 2023 to it. yeah 2022 so uh, you know i know you hadn't seen that clip before but what do you think about that why do you think it went so viral because uh, a couple different reasons uh one is uh we all love sesame street and uh we all love elmo i'm sure your kids grew up watching elmo that my kids went through a extended Elmo stage yeah. Uh, when they were little. Absolutely. Uh, and so there's that. But Aubrey, we also, it's, there's something funny about um, Elmo and Sesame Street taking a feud on the Twitter. Right. Having a feud at all. We all love The Rock with The Rock right. coming in. Like it, it's lighthearted, but it's lighthearted because we do live in a culture yes. in which so many people are getting angry and taking it to Twitter about dumb stuff like cookies. Yeah. About dumb things like cookies. And so it, it allows a little bit of a stress relief to be like, oh, Elmo, that's funny. Yes, you're kind of poking fun at the rest of us. That's mm -hmm. good. But I think that's why. Uh, because uh, somebody like Elmo, uh, that there's um, that, that's a bit of a mirror, right, for us culturally. That's yeah. what I was thinking. It like put its finger kind of on the cultural yes. moment right now where we are literally fighting over things as silly as cookies. Of can they rock have a cookie? And then, you know, to have the rock come in. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got to do better. We got to argue better. We got to fight better. We have to reconcile better. We have to not fight about minor things about like cookies and stuff. Uh, the metaphorical cookie, if you right, will. Right, but right, right. Instead, kind of get back to um, the things that Sesame Street has taught us as, as kids, right? As kids, absolutely. You and, I, you and I have joked about like the messages that so many of us adults need to hear right now are the messages that we tell kids when they're in like the first yes. grade. Be nice to each other. Be kind. Be, don't say mean things. Right. Uh, do this. And, and I think we're reminded again by Sesame Street of that. Yeah. And I, I do think too, like, you know, to take this a little more seriously, if you are about to go online and tweet angrily or respond, you know, with vitriol or what have you, um, there are, I think, some ways that you could just sort of pause or, I mean, using Elmo as an example, he's literally yelling at a pet rock and his friend Zoe over this silly thing. If you're mad, there are ways you can communicate. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to communicate your anger. But there are ways to do it that are kind and um, godly and even just like 
basically human uh, civility that aren't screaming and yelling or saying terrible things on the internet or what have you. And Brian, I, I mean, you know, you and I are both, We've said this before. You hate controversy or conflict, maybe is a better word. Yeah, I do. Um, so so when you're advising people who are angry or maybe you're interacting with someone who's angry, mm-hmm. how do you respond in a way that kind of allows you to keep your cool and not go crazy like Elmo did here? <laughs> no, don't go crazy like him. Right. How many pastors are using this as their sermons? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, hey, don't go crazy like Elmo. Uh, I Aubrey, I think about uh, what we tell people in marriage, what I think about in my own marriage, right? Every now and then take a deep breath before mm-hmm. you respond. Yeah. Take a deep breath before uh, – if you're going to be a social media person, before you type that uh, rebuke or that response or that message, take a deep breath mm. before – and then if you still need to go and confront, go do it. Confrontation is also best done in person, not behind a keyboard. So if you've got a relationship with a person, go confront them in person. If you don't have a relationship with them and it's only just social media, you're probably not the right person to confront them anyway. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that, it's not going to bring about any change. And then uh, make sure you're majoring on the majors, right? Mm. Like, am I willing to have to go down this road with you know my spouse or yeah. with my friend or my yeah. coworker? Uh, how far am I willing to take this, right? Like. Um, or is this something that I can legitimately, not passively, but I can legitimately go, you know what, uh, misunderstanding, we're just mm-hmm. going to kind of move on from this. I'm going to just take it and we're going to be fine. I, that's, those are some of the things that I'd go with. Don't get all worked up about a rock and a cookie. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word for all of us. Well, coming up next, since I'm going out of town for the rest of the week, we're going to do one of our favorite things, a top five list. You're not going to want to miss that. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. Brian, we're shaking things up this week. Ready to do it. It's not Friday. It's Tuesday. But because I'm going to be out of town for the rest of the week, we are doing a top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Okay, Brian, our top five list for this week is moments in history that we would like to time travel to or live during or witness. Mm -hmm. So these are top five moments in history that we want to somehow experience. Are you ready? I am. And this one's super creative, right? Because it's like you and I both took this a little bit differently. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is that exact historical moment that I want to go to and watch and like know what happened and be there? Uh, and, and so you took a little more liberty with it, but that's what makes these fun. You and I tend so to be very different fun. on these. Yes. Yes. All right. Do you want to start? Uh, I will. And number okay. five for me, and I do have two honorable mentions we'll get to later, but number oh, nice. five for me, I said, uh, I would like to spend, I would like to go in time and I would like to travel back and I would like to spend some time on the Titanic. <gasps> That's a good one, Brian. I yep. never thought about that. I'm going to add that to my honorable mentions. That's go good. on to the Titanic. I don't. Uh, and part of this is we get to like get off when when we're done. Like we can snap our fingers. And yes, I'd want to be go on down. it, right. and I'd like to see what happened. 
Right. And uh, what you're going to see in my list is a lot of I want to see what happened. Uh, but yeah. uh, once that hits the iceberg, then maybe I don't need to watch everything go down and I, yeah. I get off. But I want to I want to see what it was like to be on the okay. Titanic. Okay, I like that a lot. That's good. Okay, my number five. This is this is terrible because I don't actually even know when <laughs> this happened. But you know, Cleopatra seems to be like a big deal. And I want to know, like, it was she really a big deal? Like, what was the deal with Cleopatra? <laughs> so, like, wherever she is being awesome, I want to go and see it in real life. That sounded like such a Seinfeld episode right there. What's the deal with Cleopatra? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should do a top five. What would Seinfeld say? Exactly. But that's mine. So five, I don't know how you, the court of Cleopatra is All where right. I would like to go. So number four for me, uh, this is my one that's going to be sports related. I, okay. I thought to myself, I want to go back oh, sure, and, sure. and see some like, uh, you know, what was this? What was sports like in this time? And so yes. I, I had to think to myself, uh, I want to see a baseball game and who's the most famous team ever. It's the 1927 Yankees. So I want to go nice. watch a game of the, the 1920s. I want to be in the stadium and see Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and what many people consider to be the greatest team of all time. I want to go watch a game and see what, how different baseball was and how much it's the same. I'm going to go see the 1927 Okay, Yankees. I love that. That is so fun. So speaking of the 20s, I'm just going to jump on that because I have a general – I just want to see the roaring 20s. Like, mm. And what I mean is like the glitz and the glamour and like the New York scene, right? I don't want the – I don't want to go to the, where the Dust Bowl was happening. Like, I want to be where, like, there's, like, flappers and there's guys in their tuxes <laughs> and they're going to shows and they're they're dancing the Charleston. Like, whatever that scene is, if that actually existed in real life, prohibition. Like, I want to be there. Didn't you grow up where the Dust Bowl happened? Yes. That's why I don't want to. I've learned enough about the Dust Bowl. I want to go to the Roaring Twenties or as fancy. All right. All right. Number three. This is my most old school one. Most of mine okay. seem to be early America, like 1900s America or later. later. Uh, but this one, I would like to travel back and watch and see how the pyramids were built. Ooh, that's a good one, Brian. Yeah. I like how that. Were, how did you the pyramids? You want to watch slavery take place in real life. <laughs> Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair game. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, no, I want to see because they always say that the pyramids are one of the greatest uh, modern day marvels. Like, uh, how did this happen? And yeah. Can I, you and I didn't say something at the very beginning of this. Okay. Uh, there were two rules we set upon this because people could be like, you're a oh, pastor. You should say, good what point. about good I wanted to see Jesus? We said nothing that is at all uh, touching on the Bible. This kind of is, but that's okay. I'll allow it. The pyramids are. They still would have happened. Uh, And number two, nothing personal. So not that I want to go like back to the future. I want to see my parents dating, right? Like that kind of stuff. So it can't be any of that. So yeah, pyramids. So let's assume we both want to see Jesus. That's under that umbrella. We want to see Noah's Ark. We want to see Adam and Eve. We want to see all that stuff. David and Goliath. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, so I am on number three, and I oh, this is where it gets real tricky for me what to put in the next order. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm a believer in the Loch Ness Monster. And you, <laughs> and you know the picture that supposedly exists of the Loch Ness Monster? You see it all over. I, I want to be with the dude who took the picture and see what was the real story there. Okay. See, I so like when the famous Loch Ness Monster picture was taken at Loch Ness, I want to be there and witness it for my own eyes and decide if I – because I do believe, but do I truly believe 
Do you also believe in um, – <laughs> oh, what, Bigfoot? Are you a Bigfoot person? No, I'm not really a Bigfoot person, but I'm definitely a, a Nessie person. Okay. I love I, Nessie. I guess, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, number two for me, uh, early 1900s, I would like to go back to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina and see the Wright oh, brothers that's cool. take their first flight. Like I want to be standing there. Uh, I, you know, maybe I'd like, watch how they built it all and this, that, but the anticipation of that first takeoff, I know it was very short, uh, but yes, I would like to see the Wright brothers take off. I love it. Give me number two. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do honorable mentions cause I got some good ones, but I would love, and I'm not talking about the politics here. I'm talking about the music. I want to go to Woodstock. Nice. I want to hear Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie and Jimi Hendrix and Joni Mitchell and Janis Joplin, like all the greats live, I think would just be like a dream come true. So I would love to go to Woodstock. Knowing you, you're going to do all the illicit drugs that were there. Obviously, all- <laughs> obviously, that's part of my plan for sure. All right. Do you have any uh, honorable mentions? I know you said you do. So let's hear them before we dive into our number ones. So my two couldn't be more different. Uh, So I'm going to preface it with that. Number two, uh, only going back to when we were in high school, Aubrey, I want to know what happened with OJ. (laughs) I want to (laughs) know. Okay, I like it. I, like I want to know. So I don't know. I don't think that puts me at the murder scene because that's yeah. really grisly. I'd like to – whatever it requires for me to go back to 1994, June of 94, yeah. and uh, and find out what happened. So that's one. And two, <laughs> much more historical this. I would like to be in the room using Hamilton there. I'd like to be in the room when they yes. signed the Constitution. Oh, Debated the Constitution. Yeah. Or maybe the Declaration of Independence. All Very of that. All of that of time. Uh, like Hamilton, I would like to be in the room when it happened. So Okay. I like that. Okay. I I know we part of this was not we can't go back and change history, but I will say an honorable mention of mine. I just want to go help out Diana. Like I don't want her life to be I'm so oh. worried about her even now. Or you want to tell her don't get in that car yeah, or don't I don't do. ri- don't ride quickly in that tunnel. Yeah. No. And yes. I mean I want I want William and Harry to have been born, but I also want to be like, just don't get married to that guy. He's not <laughs> in love with you. He loves somebody else. So like, you do I know Part of time travel is you can't change. I know, I know. So I don't, I don't know. I just want to like, I just want to like protect her a little bit. Then the other thing I think would be cool, and this is not Queen Elizabeth uh, of Diane's Elizabeth, but old, old, old Queen Elizabeth. I would like to see her rise and be coronated. I think that would be really, really cool. The the one who decided she was married to the church and not to a man. I think that would be that would be a fascinating part. Very um, royal family of you, right yeah, there. Yeah, I got, I got a lot of royal. I got a lot of royal tea things happening in mine. Okay, Brian, are you ready? For I'm ready your for number, number one. one. Number one, and this is uh, strangely, uh, I've had like I wouldn't call them obsessions, but there's two things that I like. If there's a documentary about this, I'm watching. If there's a podcast, I'm listening. There's two historical events. Uh, that fall under that. The first is 9-11, but I was mm-hmm. around for that. So I don't yeah. need to go back. Yeah. But uh, if there's 9-11 stuff on, uh, my wife mocks me for how much I'll read or watch or whatever else. The second one, and this is now my number one answer, I would like to be in Daly Plaza in 1963 and know what happened with John F. Kennedy's assassination. <gasps> oh, wow. I would okay. like to know what is the truth? Is it is what we've been told actually what happened? Mm. 
Is there more going on? I would like to take the knowledge we have now, be transported back to there and just watch what happens and see what goes on. And number one, I'm going back to the JFK assassination. Wow, wow, wow. That's that's really fat. My dad was right around the corner when JFK was assassinated. For real. Yep. Um, okay, here's my number one. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm going back to England. And I would like to see a production at the Globe Theater of one of Shakespeare's mm. plays that he also acted in. That would be a dream come true. I, and I one. don't want the stinky seats down at the bottom. I want like the royalty seats up at the top of the globe. Do you know what messed with me once? Uh, that's a good one. What messed with me once? I listened to a podcast called Conspiracy Theories. And they did a whole two podcasts on how Shakespeare wasn't actually a person, but was a conglomeration of people. Yes, but I can't believe it. It messed with my – I never heard it. You've clearly heard it. I never heard that theory before. But anyway, I, th- I like what you're saying. Going yeah. back and doing that, that would be awesome. All right. Well, let's hear what your favorite moments from history are or where you'd like to visit. If you could go back to a historical time, you can post that online. We would love to hear from you. Coming up next, we're going to talk about why prayer changes everything. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We are so thrilled that you've been with us today, and we're sending you home on this Tuesday afternoon, which means that we love sending you home with something inspiring, challenging, or encouraging to think about. And Brian, we've had Priscilla Shire and her dad, Tony Evans, on the show before. She was on TBN recently talking about how prayer and why prayer changes everything. It was so powerful, and she is such a strong prayer warrior mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I thought we could listen to a little a little bit of her conversation and then talk about the power of prayer ourselves. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. I remember moments of you know, the complaining before God, because of course I was perfect and they were the problem. Well, everybody else needs to change. (laughs) Yeah. If they would, it would really help out my life. Totally. Um, then, but so I, you know, complained, but then I started, you know, talking about pulling out the scriptures that talked about unity and reconciliation and, and together and faithfulness and just declaring that. And I've seen God do what only he could do in the lives of people. I mean, I saw it in my health, but I have also seen it in relationships with people. And so I just think that, that if, if people understood more about the power, you know, some people say, well, all I can do is pray. No, no, that's not all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the thing. that's the thing to do. That's the thing. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people right, who are called by my yeah. name humble themselves and pray, yeah. right, then he's going to heal our land. We're too busy complaining about yeah. our land and our government and all that's happening. It's like, well, you can complain But if you prayed as much as you complained, maybe we would see something different. And you know what? If I were your enemy, what I'd want to do is devalue in your mind the potency of what I know to be the most powerful weapon you have against me. So he's made our churches focus on being a house of great programs or a house of great preaching and a house of great singing when they're supposed to be a house of prayer. Because it's the prayer that pushes back the kingdom of darkness. Mm -hmm. So if I were the enemy, that's exactly what I'd do. I'd devalue what I knew was the most potent weapon that you had in your arsenal against me. So we do everything first except pray. pray. So for you uh, personally, so how do you, when do you, when do you pray? Are you a late at night person? Are you the middle of the day person? Are you? Well, I got to tell you, first of all, lest anyone think 
that my life is, you know, I'm up on a mountaintop praying and speaking o'clock. for God all yes, day. Morning. Yeah, that's right. Um, my life is very much like everybody else's, yep. that it's kids just laundries and mm-hmm. laundering kids. And right. it's kind of that thing where, you know, once your feet hit the floor mm-hmm. in the morning, it's over. It's oh, just yeah. full on for the rest of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I have this ongoing, uh, actually, part of my prayer is, Lord, would you continue to help me to prioritize this yes. in my life? Because it can so that's easily... Good kind of get pushed off of the yeah, that, that position of priority. Yeah. So I just say, Lord, I need you to stir. I don't want to manufacture passion. I want you to stir in me a passion to where I don't want to go a day mm. without prioritizing prayer and then hearing back yes. from you, listening to you through the scriptures. Okay, so I, you know, one of the things that she talks about is, look, especially right now where so many people are complaining about the country and how things are going wrong. And she's like, well, what if we actually prayed? Do we believe, you know, do we believe that prayer makes a difference? Do we believe that, uh, you know, God actually hears our prayers? And I, I think this is a really, really important reminder for all of us, the power of prayer. But I'm also thinking about the person out there who has been praying for like something specific, maybe a prodigal child or a circumstance to change. And they've been praying and praying and praying and praying and they don't see any change, what would you say to that person as a pastor, as a friend, as a fellow Christian? Yeah, I don't want to be flippant about it. So this answer might come across as flippant, but I don't mean it that way. I would tell them, keep praying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The invitation we are given in scripture is to uh, continue knocking, if you will, to continue going to God in prayer. Uh, I can't manipulate or or give you the right number of prayers so you'll get exactly what you want. It may never get answered the way you want it to be, but I still think the answer, the, the response is keep praying, keep going. Uh, and so that's the first thing I would tell them. And secondly, I think we always have to approach the conversation of, of prayer with this posture uh, regardless of what happens, I know that God is still good and mm. God can still be trusted, mm. that my view of God is not contingent upon him doing exactly what I'm asking right now, even though I'm going to beg him to do so. Uh, I'm going to beg him to, uh, you know, heal this person or yeah. open this door or whatever else it might be. Yeah. Uh, bring back my prodigal, you know, child that we you you mentioned. And so I think uh, my invitation is to prayer. Uh, so I'm going to keep praying. I can't tell you exactly how it works or that you're going to yeah. get what you want. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm going to encourage you to keep praying. And I want you to know that God is still good and God is yeah. still present. God yeah. is still active, even if things don't work out the way you want it to be. Yeah. It's, it's Tim Keller, and I'm going to butcher this quote a little bit, but who says that God answers our prayers, um, like answers our prayers in such a way that as if we were praying for the thing we ought to be praying for mm-hmm. if we had God's perspective. And so I think that's a helpful posture in prayer is to remember, look, I'm going to, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to ask for things that I want and need and long to see because I, I want to see God's hand at work in my life. That does strengthen our faith. But at the end of the day, I'm going to trust that like, this isn't about the power of the prayer, but the power of the one that we're praying to Amen. and trusting yes. that he is working out all things for his glory and for my good. And my good might look different than what I think it is, mm-hmm. but God has that eternal timeless perspective. So he can, uh, you know, he can obviously see the things that we can't see. 
certainly I know it can feel discouraging when you're you're praying, 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 and it seems like God isn't answering. Um, if somebody's at that point, Brian, and they're like, look, I prayed for God to heal my child. I prayed for God to heal my spouse and God didn't. I'm I'm angry. I'm discouraged. I, I don't know if I even believe God listens. What would you say to that person? Yeah. Now we're moving from prayer to what do I do when I'm disappointed or angry with God? Mm-hmm. And I would say yeah. that God is big enough to deal with our anger. Uh, that it's not sinful to say, God, I'm mad, or I don't understand, or why didn't you do this, or whatever else it might be. Like That is not a sinful question to ask. And so that's the first thing I would encourage people. Uh, I would say, um, go to God with, with your frustrations. Go to God with your anger. Go to God with your questions. And uh See, you know, if <laughs> he promises peace, he promises to be present, like he's not going to run away from you and, and smite you in that moment. And so that's what I would encourage people to do. And then not to be a broken record. And I would say, don't give up praying. Yeah. Keep praying. Yeah. Be somebody who prays. We know that prayer works because the Bible tells us that we are invited to pray, that God works through the prayers of his people. Yep. Uh, but it doesn't mean we understand exactly how it works and this yeah. and that. And so I would still encourage people to pray. Yeah, I think that's a really good word. And I also think it, it's helpful for us to remember that prayer is certainly, uh, you know, casting your cares on God, asking for God, asking God for provision and things that you need. But part of prayer can also be listening. Like maybe there's something God needs to say to you that will change your prayer life. Maybe you're praying in a way that is actually not the way God wants you to pray. And so to spend some time even in silence praying, Lord, what do you have to say to me? And being silent long enough to actually allow the Holy Spirit to move and to impress something on your heart or to speak to you through his word or to speak to you in that moment of silence, it might actually shift your your prayer perspective mm. once you hear from the Lord. I, I think the other thing is, you know, getting other people to pray with you can be encouraging when you feel discouraged and like you don't have the strength to keep praying um, perhaps praying in community, perhaps asking someone else, look, I can't even pray about this thing anymore. Could you pray for me? I can't do it on my own, but I think you're exactly right, Brian. Let's, let's never forget the, the power that there is in prayer and the fact that it's such a privilege that we get to go to the God who created the universe and the God who is a sovereign over all of human history. We get to go to him with our big prayer requests and our small prayer requests. Like even that is a miracle. And um, to start there with that posture of worship, God, thank you so much that I can even come to you with these things. And then, like you said, don't give up. Be Mm -hmm. persistent in prayer and wait on the Lord's good timing. Well, we hope that encourages you today. If you're going through a circumstance that needs prayer or that you've been praying for a long time, don't give up. Keep going. God is at work. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. I'll be out of town. Brian will be here with Steve Koble, That's a fantastic right. co-host. You're not going to want to miss that. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.